Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow, what a big-time defensive play! No holds barred. I paid the fool. It's the Fizz Five. Five! Well, the calendar is just about to turn over from July into August, and we are back here on Fizz 5, Carter Bainbridge, along with Cam Isaire. With the summer winding down and recruiting still in full swing, Cam, we've been keeping our eyes on all things SU so far, especially lately. How have you been doing as of late? I'm doing great. I mean, we've always said the the summers are the dog days of Syracuse whether it be recruiting or just sports news but I feel like we've been able to keep things up on our website we're doing a great job updating fans and anyone that wants to know about Syracuse news again orangefizz.net our website continue to check out all those articles I think that we've all been doing a great job updating fans on what they need to know and hey it's crazy to think that the football season is just a month away and we'll finally have a lot more to talk about. Yeah, that is for sure. The football opener, of course, the first week of September. But we've still got a whole nother month until we get there, which is just so tough to deal with. But in the meantime, we've got some stuff to talk about today, Cam. So let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right into the first topic of the day. Number one. Okay, Cam. So first things first on the docket is a little bit of Syracuse men's basketball recruiting. So as we've gone through the summer, this has definitely been kind of a less exciting recruiting cycle than last year. Of course, it was going to be tough for the Orange to follow up last year's class where they got guys like Justin Taylor and Kadir Copeland. It seemed like every once in a while last summer, it seemed like a new guy was propping up. Kadari Mari Lands was in that picture too, excuse me. But this summer, nothing as of yet in the class of 23. The Orange still don't have a single commit, but – if the news lately is to be trusted, they've been working hard on four-star center J.P. Estrella out of Brewster Academy in New Hampshire. And the latest piece of news from him, at least as far as his recruiting cycle is concerned, is that he had a visit lined up to Duke that he then canceled. It was actually supposed to be today, but he canceled it just a few days ago. Syracuse and Duke were kind of the top two places for him, at least if you're listening to 24 seven sports and kind of the recruiting guys on that end. But um, for Syracuse's quote unquote top target in this class, at least the guy they think they're going to get a commit from, how much does that mean a having the Duke offer go away and then B how important a player could he be if SU can actually net this commit from Estrella? Now, Carter, I will say one thing. I'm not 100% if this is, you know, if this is for certain, but he canceled his visit. It doesn't mean that Duke isn't an option down the line. And I would never throw out Duke if he doesn't have a great time on his visit to Iowa or Syracuse. I mean, I'm not throwing out one of the best teams in the ACC. They could have a good year and Estrella could realize, okay, they utilize their big men, especially the ones that can run the floor really well. Okay, now I want to consider Duke. Maybe consider a North Carolina moving forward. 
But overall, I think it's huge for Syracuse. It's a guy that's 6'11". He's listed as a center, but I would consider him more of a Marek Dolajai-esque player. I think he has more in his uh, in his toolkit, uh, more skills than Dolajai had coming in. I think Estrella has the potential to gain more weight than Marek Dolajai did earlier in his Syracuse career if he comes to SU. And I'm loving how Syracuse's center and even power forward room is lining up. They're starting to bulk up a lot of their guys, not just in the weight category, but the amount of guys that they're willing to consider for that position. Remember, Syracuse has been heavily a backcourt destination, whether you take into account the Dion Waiters of the world, the Tyler Ennises of the world, even the Malachi Richardsons and the Michael Carter Williams of the world. All of those guys were primarily in their backcourt. Yes, some of them, they would shift to the front court in which they'd put them at the bottom of the zone. But a lot of the times it was that run and gun offense. You hope that you can uh, solidify parts of uh, the defensive side with the zone. But really, it's can the offense perform? Can the offense outperform the defense? That's been the Syracuse way for so long. So this is huge. With Estrella really wanting to come to Syracuse or even thinking about going to Duke, yes, he also has that visit to Iowa. If he wants to play in the ACC, I think Syracuse is the perfect destination for him because they're starting to think more about their front court as they haven't done over the past couple of years or so. It seems like the front court has been kind of not just a lackluster position, but one that Syracuse throws out the window and says, hey, we're going to start playing positionless basketball. So I think it's huge that J.P. Estrella is not just considering Syracuse and taking a visit, but also discounting Duke and saying, hey, I, maybe I don't want to go there because they might offer me a lot of playing time. I don't know if that's the reason that he canceled his Duke visit, but whenever you toss out another ACC school, one that is predominantly better than Syracuse in terms of recruiting as of the last couple of years, I think it's great for Syracuse's odds because you don't want one guy getting pulled in so many directions in the ACC because he's obviously going to go with the one place that proves to have more success. Unfortunately, Syracuse hasn't had a lot in the last couple of years. It, I mean, unless you take into account the Sweet 16 appearances, but you talk about a team like Duke, maybe even North Carolina, if Estrella gets looks there. I'm not really concerned that Syracuse hasn't pushed really hard in the 2023 sector, knowing that they have six freshmen coming in. You never know. You could develop them. Estrella might be your one guy, and I'm completely fine with that. As they've done over the past couple of years, Syracuse has prioritized a few guys which have allowed them to come to Syracuse and really prove their prowess. So, I mean, the, the cancellation of the Duke visit is huge for Syracuse's odds because whenever you get rid of an in-conference school and you think about another and you're choosing to visit Syracuse over choosing to visit Duke, I think that's a big hurdle that Syracuse just completely avoided in the possible commitment of J.P. Estrella. Yeah, the cancellation of the visit doesn't automatically mean that Duke is suddenly out of the running for Estrella. I don't think it really increases Syracuse's odds of, you know, stealing him away from someone else. But what it does give them the chance to do is to really make a good impression on their visit. You know, if you're presenting yourself as the sort of marquee ACC option, um, then he, he's lacking the point of reference that he would have if he were to get down to Duke and have kind of the full court press that they place on him. I think especially for Syracuse, it should probably make them feel a little bit more relaxed because of what happened last year with Kyle Filipowski, if we remember. 
SU got into a recruiting war for him, the big time center in the class of 22 and ended up losing out to Duke on that front. So for SU, it can only be a good thing. Of course, Duke isn't out of the running, but you know, this is a guy the orange seemed to really want. And especially so because, I mean, you talked about the way that the, uh, the forwards and centers are, are developing for Syracuse, but they always do need more depth. You know, Jesse Edwards is about to be a senior and behind him, they have Peter Carey, but not a lot else. So if SU can actually get Estrella on board, I think that's a net positive for them. And uh, the Duke visit thing is just, you know, another step towards that that can only help the orange. So staying with basketball recruiting, we wrap up the topic of one recruit onto another for topic number two. Number two. All right, second topic of the day, Cam. Sticking with men's basketball, we have another class of 23 target, but this one hasn't really been around the whole cycle. He's been one of those names that's cropped up a little bit more recently, kind of like El Marco Jackson. You hear a little bit about him here and there in AAU ball and whatnot as the summer has gone along. It's Elijah Gertrude, this three-star guard, who's been a pretty fast riser in the class of 23. Um, SU suddenly has his eyes, its eyes on this guy. And I was wondering your thoughts on his play. He's been around AAU ball this summer. SU has watched him play. They took not only Jim Beheim, but a couple assistant coaches as well, McNamara and Autry to see him play. Um, as a guard, does Gertrude have a natural fit in this team's near future? And, you know, is there something that you like about his game? I like his skill set. He's one of those five tool players. I think it's often mentioned in other sports. What does five tools mean in the game of basketball? A lot of the times, you know, you'll consider it in, in baseball or football. Well, I think in a Syracuse system, the five tools that you need is just concentration in the zone. A lot of the times people try to overemphasize the zone as a way to play defense on a lazier scale. But what I say is you're guarding multiple positions but mainly in one set space. So it takes a lot more concentration because all of a sudden you're guarding someone that's 6'3". You got a shy off of him. And next thing you know, you're dropping down to guard someone that's 6'11". So concentration in the zone is one thing. And I love it from Elijah Gertrude mainly because of his size right now. He's 6'3", 180. I think he can bulk up around 190, 195. And that's a great starting point for a Syracuse team that usually relies on the skinnier players that can shoot the basketball. But if Gertrude could be almost a Simeon Torrance-esque guy that can guard multiple positions and also stay in front of players, build up his body in order to stay on the court for longer, I have a lot of confidence in his ability to play in the zone. The second is just the ability to shoot. I haven't seen too much of Gertrude, but what I have seen is he's able to pass the ball, facilitate his own shot. And when he does, and a lot of opponents might think, okay, the pass is coming, then he can be that two-dimensional guy. He doesn't just drive, but he can shoot the ball off his own facilitation. So you talk about concentration in the zone, his ability to shoot. I already mentioned his ability to pass. For any point guard or even shooting guard in a Syracuse set offense, you don't just have to have the ability to pass and shoot the ball. You have to be a three-tool player on the offensive side. You have to work out of the triple threat, and I think that Gertrude does that really, really well. What he's able to do is fool any defenders so you can pass it, you can shoot it, 
and you can also dribble it when need be. So the ability to pass, the ability to dribble and shoot on the offensive end, to concentrate on the zone, and I think he has a lot of speed. I don't just think I know I've seen it on the defensive and offensive sides. I think speed is often undermined on the defensive side. You might wonder, well, why does it matter? If he can drive to the hoop, then he's really speedy on the offensive end. On the defensive side, when you're in a zone, you're running a lot. I don't know if a lot of people realize in a man-to-man, when the ball is on the opposite wing, a lot of the times you're guarding the middle and you're guarding ball and man. You don't really have to worry too much about what your man is doing until they get the ball in terms of how you move your feet, one-on-one defense. In a zone, you're always moving. It doesn't matter where the ball is. You're not just bouncing in your stance, but you're also dropping down. You're shifting up. You're closing gaps. So those five tools I already see in the early portion of Gertrude's game. Another thing to mention is he's your typical backcourt mate for Syracuse, whether it's a point guard or as a shooting guard. I even think that if he bulks up a little more, grows an inch or two, you could stick him at the bottom of the zone. I'm not saying he's a Buddy Beheim-esque player. I don't think he can shoot like Buddy, but I'm seeing this guy as someone that can not just be efficient on the offensive end, But on the defensive side, he can play really well at the top of the zone. He said time and time again to whether it be sports beat writers or reporters out there that have asked him, hey, how do you want to mold your game around maybe a system like Syracuse? Hey, I I think I could fit really well in the zone. And that's what Syracuse is preaching to me because not everyone fits the zone defense. That's why Syracuse has struggled over the past year or so. They had a lot of guys that probably would be more fit to playing man-to-man. I think Gertrude fits right in to that backcourt set on the zone side of things. You you know, you know, couple that with his offensive prowess. I think he could be really good for a Syracuse team that's always looking for depth. Carter, you mentioned it earlier. Why not? Add depth to the backcourt, the front court, whatever you could do with how known the transfer portal is. Why not? A guy that has a whole lot of talent. And I don't even think Gertrude's a why not guy. I think he's more of a why didn't you go out and recruit him harder type of guy. I think if he bulks up a little his senior year, adds some tools to his game to go along with that five-tool set, I mean, Syracuse is dangerous moving forward. Well, there's certainly a lot of things about Gertrude that would point him towards SU. He's from Jersey City. He plays summer ball for the Albany city rocks in peach jam. Um, he's being heavily recruited by a lot of top programs, Virginia, Kansas is looking at this guy. Iona as well. You can't sleep on them. I mean, Rick Patino, you know, he's there now. He's always going to be looking at guys and Gotta SU, watch took, out. <laughs> SU took its whole entourage down to see Gertrude play. And uh, he's talked about defensively that he would like to play in the zone. He's talked to coach Autry about that a lot. He thinks that's a net positive, something that Syracuse presents him. And then you talked about his shot just in your explanation. That's been the part of his game that's led him to shoot up recruiting boards. So he went from being a lower-ranked recruit to now a three-star. But there are people out there who think that by the time he actually makes his commitment, that he'll be a four-star on some recruiting services. So SU kind of bought low with Peter Carey last year, for example, and they've had some smaller classes before. It certainly looks like the class of 23 is going to be that. Um, but this is a guy Syracuse definitely has its eyes on and certainly of interest if you're a fan of the Orange to keep your eyes on Gertrude and how the Orange kind of recruit him and what they do because 
that's certainly in play. Gertrude has commented that he would really like to visit Syracuse, not set in stone yet, but could certainly happen kind of later in this cycle. So just something to keep your eye on. Definitely of interest, a player there in this class. It's probably going to turn out to be quality over quantity. But that's going to wrap up the men's basketball part of this Fizz Five as we move neatly on to topic number three. Number three. All right, so topic number three on this Fizz Five, we're switching over to the sport that is the closest to the start of its season, and that is SU football. The Orange are set to kick off the first game on September 3rd against Louisville. But in the meantime, during this offseason, we have seen running back Sean Tucker rack up a lot of attention, even more so than last year when he was coming off a good freshman season. People thought he was going to be pretty decent, maybe not 1,400 yards and you know, the leading rusher in the ACC good, but Tucker had a phenomenal season last year. He broke SU records, and he's been tabbed for some pretty gaudy accolades this season. People think that he could win the ACC rushing title or perhaps even win the Maxwell Award. He was named to that watch list before the season, which is basically like, you know, not a Heisman equivalent, but it's almost hard to distinguish between the two sometimes like the best player in college football versus the Heisman award, but the Maxwell award can go to players of any position. Usually it's on the offensive side. So for Sean Tucker, who ran for almost 1500 yards and had double digit rushing touchdowns in his second year freshman season, thanks to COVID does he have to exceed last season's numbers to have any chance at any of the awards that he's been mentioned for? Carter by tenfold unfortunately 1496 yards a single season rushing record and remember who Syracuse has had in the past at the running back position I mean Sean Tucker passed all of them he had 12 touchdowns rushing he also upped his receiving game 20 receptions 255 yards a player that averaged close to 13 yards per reception had two touchdowns there and just from scrimmage this is a guy that totaled close to 1800 yards unfortunately if you look at the maxwell award and tie it to the heisman trophy they don't quote me on this but i'm pretty sure in the last seven or eight years they've been the same person so sean tucker needs to pretty much win the heisman in order to win the maxwell award Unfortunately, the Heisman usually goes to a quarterback or if it goes to a wide receiver or running back or I mean, maybe even a defensive player that hasn't happened in a while. I I just I don't know. I, I don't think that Sean Tucker has the ability to win the Maxwell Award, mainly because I just don't think they're giving it to a running back from Syracuse. I don't think the Qs are going to jump off everyone's big board and say, oh, they're going to be a 11 and one team. So I, I just don't think the public eye will fully be on Sean Tucker. This is a guy that had close to 1,500 yards rushing. I'm pretty sure at one point he had nine straight games with over 100 yards. And guess what people were looking at Sean Tucker as? Well, unfortunately, he goes to Syracuse. That can't happen. If you're Sean Tucker, unfortunately, he goes to a school that hasn't been that good on the football scene in a really long time. I mean, look back to Derrick Henry, who won the Maxwell Award in 2015. You think 1,500 rushing yards is good? How about Derrick Henry? 2,200 rushing yards, close to six yards per carry. He had 28 touchdowns uh, on the ground. That's 16 more than Sean Tucker. Derrick Henry also added 91 yards in the air, 
all-purpose, he had over 2,300 yards. I don't think Syracuse is going to utilize Sean Tucker as much as Alabama utilized Derrick Henry back in 2015. There are a lot of obstacles that go into Sean Tucker's ability or even inability to win these awards. As much as I want to say yes, as much as I think Sean Tucker is good enough to be a top five Heisman candidate as well as a Maxwell Award candidate, he has to improve his play tenfold. Unfortunately, he's working with a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterbacks coach that will want to add more to the load of Garrett Schrader. I think Dan Valari could prove to be a running presence, which takes a little bit away from Sean Tucker. Carter, as much as I want to say yes, I'm going to say yes, he needs to improve from, from his season last year. I don't think he has a shot. He goes to Syracuse, a team that will most likely finish 500 or a game above 500. The public eye won't always be on him. There won't be a college football game day in Syracuse unless something, uh, you know, otherworldly happens. So his talent, yes. For the team he plays for in the conference he plays for with the expectations that are on him and with the season he had a year ago, carrying into this year with new pieces on the team, I just don't see it happening as much as I believe he has the talent to do it. I think it'll probably go to another quarterback. I would agree because last year's Maxwell award went to Bryce young, you know, quarterback for a marquee sec school. You're right. The Maxwell award and the Heisman are basically tied together. And even though Sean Tucker was excellent, he was never in any serious Heisman conversations. He probably has a better shot at the Doak Walker award for best running back. But even then he would have to put up like a yardage title, which he didn't come close to last year because there's always going to be some guy out there in division one who plays softer competition, but who just racks up the yards. For example, it was Lou Nichols who ran for the most yards in college football last year of central Michigan, by the way, I can see the look who? on your face. Lou exactly. Nichols? Some people may not know who he was, but exactly the competition in the Mac is not as tough as it is in the ACC, you know, 300, 400 more yards than Tucker doesn't sound that outrageous on paper, but if you're looking at awards and accolades and things like that, it does make a difference. So Sean Tucker is going to have a hard time replicating the season he had last year, because now everybody knows that SU's offense runs through him. He has a new coordinator who is going to try to throw the ball a little bit more. And all around, it's just hard to put up consecutive seasons like that, especially in a position that has so much wear and tear. Um, it's, it's going to be difficult. I, I think Sean Tucker clearly has the talent, you know, if they're, was such a thing, you know, all-star ability in college football, one of the best running backs in the ACC. But, you know, you're, you're talking about some rarefied air that Syracuse players haven't been in for quite some time. It, it would take a dramatic culture change for him to finally get up there that you just can't accomplish in one year. So also, Carter, I also want to add that it just it doesn't help that now everyone knows Sean Tucker will bust out on the scene. I know you were saying previously that, oh, now everyone knows that Syracuse's offense will run through the running back. It also doesn't help that everyone knows Sean Tucker is Sean Tucker. I mean, after his first season, people were like, okay, 626 yards, I think it was. This guy could be good. And then he has close to 1,500, and your jaw starts to drop. Can your jaw stay on the floor? I mean, how many players have been able to have that much success in back-to-back -back seasons. Derrick Henry went from 2013, 382 yards. 
2014, 990 yards. That's respectable for an Alabama back. Okay. The, to 2,200 yards. He needs to have the, the type of season where no one can stop him because everyone's going to be coming after him. So that adds to the obstacle of, you know, he has to be the Heisman Trophy winner pretty much. So that adds to a mountain that is slowly but steadily building against Sean Tucker's case. Yep. So on the topic of Syracuse football struggling, by the way, that will take us uh, pretty succinctly on to topic number four today that I think is relevant to this conversation. Number four. All right. So topic number four today is the recent ACC media poll for the Atlantic Coast Conference football standings. Anyway, that is with Syracuse coming in. Drum roll, please. In stone dead last. Wow. With with fewer votes than even the Duke Blue Devils out there in the coastal division who have been, I don't know, eating paste for the last couple of years since <laughs> Daniel Jones left town. But for the Orange, who have a revamped coaching staff, who have Sean Tucker, who have a lot of returning starters, including a couple guys pretty noteworthy on defense like Mikel Jones and Garrett Williams. Is that a fair ranking from the ACC, especially with how wide open the conference is with Clemson still getting back to its feet and no real stalwarts in the conference? I know Miami's up and coming, but anyway, what do you have to say about that? Is it fair to give the Orange that last place spot? So you have to be cognizant of the fact that Syracuse has been really bad over the last couple of years. Last time they made a bowl game was, what was it, 2018? Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. So when taking into account success and prowess, you have to look back at the last couple of years and say, hey, what has this coaching staff done? The answer is nothing. I know they've been through the revolving door. They have a new quarterbacks coach. They have a new offensive coordinator. So now you have question marks on the coaching side of things. And the rest of the coaches that have been there have been bad in terms of bringing success to central New York. On top of that, how are the cornerbacks going to play? Well, I mean, you, you look at the names and I think it brings a smile to your face. Really the entire defense, the linebacking crew is there. You've got a few up and coming safeties for Tony White's defense. They're finally understanding the three, three, five defense, but then you realize, well, let's look at the defensive line. Who's there. So many guys are now gone from a season ago. They brought so much experience to that D-line, you got question marks there. Yeah, but your secondary is good, right? Unfortunately, the front line is really what kickstarts everything. Mikel Jones, in my opinion, is the only one bright spot. You can say, I do Chestnut, right? Garrett Williams, okay. But Mikel Jones is the one guy that I'm saying he's going to anchor that defense. But you really have no one on the defensive line. Let's shift over to the offensive side. New offensive coordinator. You're going to have question marks there. Who's in your wide receiving room? Carter, you might be in the wide receiving room by the end of the season. I am not 1,000% sure, 1,000% confident that I can trust anyone in the wide receiving room. That's okay. You have one of the best running backs in terms of potential in the nation. What if the running game doesn't work out? What if these defenses in the ACC start locking down Syracuse? NC State has a better defense. Pittsburgh always has a good defense. Clemson has a really good defense. Syracuse is playing a couple teams during their schedule that have really stout defenses. So if your defense has a lot of question marks on the front line, 
and your offense really has to rely heavily on your running back. Hopefully the offensive line stays healthy. On top of that, Garrett Schrader is entering a new system that I think will bode well for him. You look at the past couple of years, no quarterback has been able to play well in this Syracuse offensive system. There are so many question marks on all sides of the ball. Special teams was abysmal last season. Will that change? Not 100% sure. Because of the amount of question marks, I'm going to say it's a fair assessment. Do I think it's a proper ranking? No. I think Syracuse is better than Georgia Tech. In my opinion, I really do think that Syracuse is better than a team like Georgia Tech. I think they can contend with a Duke. They don't play them this season, but in terms of talent, in my opinion, the high ceiling, I think Syracuse will. I think Syracuse has a chance to win eight games. But when you look back at the past couple of years and you take into account all the question marks that surround this team, I think it's a fair assessment. A proper ranking? No. But a fair assessment? Yes. I would generally agree with that, that Syracuse this year compared to last is an improved, at least on paper, but still flawed team. They have some holes in some position groups, most notably defensive line, inexperience at wide receiver, and they have got to get more consistent play from quarterback. That's your big issue, which we'll talk a little bit more in question number five today, topic number five. But I think that Syracuse is better than some of the teams in the ACC. I think they're better than Georgia Tech. I think surely think they're better than Duke of all teams. Um, so it's a little bit of a bad visual to see some squads get more votes in the ACC poll, but we have to remember for what it is. It's just a poll. Um, I'm also a believer usually when it comes to sports and teams that are trying to turn a corner of some kind, whether it's from good to great or from rebuilding to good or from terrible to respectable, you have to see them do something first before you actually ordain them with some sort of new label. So for a Syracuse team that has sort of lost its credibility, not just over the last couple of years since the bowl game, but maybe over the last 20 years since, you know, Paul Pasqualoni left town and the Orange have kind of struggled through uh, the wilderness as a program, you can't really give them the benefit of some sort of belief because they do return so many guys from last year. And you look at who they brought in and you think, well, who's the big difference maker here compared to what they did a year ago when they were five and seven, unless you truly believe that the improvement and the training and an extra year of experience with the guys they do have is enough to tack on one additional win, then you know, you can't really rate S Syracuse that highly anyway. I don't know if they're a last place team, but I, you know, I can't rate them very highly in the division until I see them actually go on to make a bowl game or even win one, because I think they're, you know, they may win more than five games this year. I believe they will, but they still have to go do it. Also, you have to remember these are ACC standings. If Syracuse wins all their non-con games, except Notre Dame, because I don't think Syracuse will beat Notre Dame. What if they go winless in the ACC? You have to take that into account as well. We're not really it, – it, you also have to remember the ACC polls are less about how will these teams finish at the end of the season. It's how will they contend in their conference. What, if Syracuse beats Wagner, are we going to throw a parade? No, I, I think it's more about can Syracuse contend with the teams in the conference, and that's where I think they really fall short. All right, so – We've talked about men's basketball. We're talking about football. And our final topic of the day is kind of an open-ended one, Cam. 
as we move on to our final thing of discussion for this Fizz Five. Number five. All right, final number five, last topic of the day. It's again about Syracuse football because it's what's coming up next. It's what everybody's gearing up for. We've seen a series of articles come out on the Fizz about Syracuse's football chances this year. The team will be good if this, X, Y, Z. So I'm curious to know, Cam, as we look at these articles that have been written on our site by Ethan Frank, John Eads, a couple of different authors, they've been Syracuse football is successful in 2022 if dot, 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 and then something. I'm curious to know your thoughts on the open-ended question. Syracuse football is successful in 2022 if what, in your opinion? Robert Anai completely revitalizes the offense. I have hope in the defense. They return enough players for me to have trust in that defense. In the ACC, no offense to the ACC, they're not the most stout conference in the entire country. I mean, you look back at the college football playoff a year ago, and if I'm not mistaken, no ACC team made it other than Clemson showing a bit of prowess at times, but now Clemson is not the same Clemson. And we're not taking into account Notre Dame a couple of years ago, right? So if Robert Anai can completely revitalize the offense, I have enough trust that the defense and special teams can do their due diligence. Robert Anai is Dino Babers' fourth offensive coordinator in seven years. Carter, I don't know, I don't know if you knew that. That's awful. The fact that Syracuse's offense has gone through now four rebuilding stages. And when you bring in a new offensive coordinator, that changes everything. Many might think, okay, but Dino Babers is still at the helm. No, it's a completely different system. You went from Eric Dungy, where you didn't think your program was anything, and this guy turns out to be a man amongst boys, even when the boys looked like men to start the season, to Tommy DeVito, who couldn't stay on the field to a couple backup quarterbacks. You had to change the offensive around them. And now you have Garrett Schrader. And now you got rid of Garrett Schrader's offensive coordinator to switch a new offensive coordinator. If Robert and I can have success in revitalizing this offense with how bad the wide receiving room is. And I don't want to harp too much on that, but I will say I haven't seen him play. I'm not 100% sure if the wide receiving room can have success or at least find some life. If Robert and I can do his due diligence in revitalizing this SU offense, I think the defense holds strong as, as much as possible. I think the special teams do the same and they make a bowl game. The goal this season is to make a bowl game. So in terms of success, I'm seeing it as six wins. And for Syracuse to have success and picked up, pick up at least six wins, Syracuse has success if Robert and I can revitalize this offense because Syracuse is not just going from rebuilding to respectable. They've done that four different times in the last seven years. So I'm going to take what you said and completely flip it around and say they've gone through too many rebuilding stages to look back now. If Robert and I can somehow up the play of Sean Tucker and improve the play of Garrett Schrader even more than his successful season a year ago, find a way to find life in that offense, then Syracuse has enough success to make a bowl game. 
I like that pick. I, I can't say that I did know that stat off the top of my head that Syracuse has had four offensive coordinators in seven years. It sounds about right because Dino Babers' offense has gone through so many shifts of personality over the years. I don't know if you know this, but it started out as an air raid offense and then transitioned to kind of a veer and shoot and now whatever it is now, option heavy run game, just kind of using your personnel. But I, I like that because I'm a, I'm a firm believer in, in Robert Anai. I think that having that many offensive coordinators is tough already, but the last guy they had, Sterling Gilbert, was an anchor on this team. Uh, I was never confident in his system, and I think that it totally hindered this team the two years he was there. So for Anai to come in as an experienced guy, I think will help. And my answer to that prompt is kind of related. It's not, it's not entirely the same, but to me, Syracuse football is successful in 2022 if they get good quarterback play. So Robert and I is a part of that. He's definitely going to help Garrett Schrader reach that next level. We saw last year that he is a Division I starting quarterback with obvious limitations. Schrader had three straight starts late in the season last year with under 70 passing yards. 7-0. Then not 100, 70. He had five games where he completed – less than 50% of his passes. So you're not efficient in the passing game and you're not getting yardage. I know the receiving room has some inexperience, but to compete with better ACC squads, you have to get better play out of your passing game. It doesn't matter how good Sean Tucker is. It doesn't matter how many times you can run an end around to Courtney Jackson. You have got to be able to throw the ball. I've seen enough from Robert and I's Virginia offense to feel confident that he will be able to get better things out of Garrett Schrader because he's done it with Brennan Armstrong and the guys who came through the Cavaliers offense in the years preceding that as well. So, you know, I, I'm intrigued to see what he does with this offensive unit. I really am. I, I think there is some, some optimism there, but that's the condition for Syracuse. I think that they are successful in 2022 if they can get better play from Schrader of course, this doesn't mean it's all on his shoulders either. That means the whole offense has to kind of meld around him in the offense, and he will be kind of a product of that meshing together with the new system. But they're only going to go far as far as Schrader takes them. That's just a fact of life. So for a Syracuse team that I also believe can win more games than they did last year, I don't know if that's going to be six. I don't know if that's going to be seven if they do make a bowl game. But I think that on paper, they have the goods to at least play entertaining football, perhaps even better than they did last year. I 100% agree. I like the point you make because I think the easy cop-out answer, Sean Tucker needs to replicate his season from a year ago. But, but no one's worrying about that. You have to worry about filling the voids rather than hoping that good fortune repeats itself. And I'll repeat that again. You have to worry about filling the voids because this is a Syracuse team that has constantly been harping on its inability. Let's stop, let's stop, or let's stop talking about the inability. Let's start talking about the ability. Unfortunately, you're not going to focus on the ability when the inability overshadows it. So I 100% agree with you. I think it's all on the offensive side. Jason Beck is another name to throw out there. The quarterback's coach. I love that they took two coaches in house, or pardon me, out of house, but both that were in the same program with Virginia. 
So they already have that relationship with each other rather than just throwing together, you know, a guy from SDSU and Dino Babers from wherever he came from and Bowling Green and all that kind of stuff. So and another Mac conference genius, another right. one of those wonder kids. <laughs> there you go. I'm, yeah. Shuffle it up a bit. Right. So I, I agree with you. It starts on the offensive end, whether it's with Robert and I or quarterback play, Syracuse needs consistent offensive play to have any success. I'm with that. I, I agree with those points. I think, you know, we, we've covered some good ground here. And I think that a lot of SU fans out there are probably thinking the same thing. There's only so many routes this team can take to a bowl game. You know, we know who they have. It's just a matter of trying to see what you can get out of those who remain from the last couple of years. But that's the last topic of the day. I think we've we've gone over some good stuff here today, Cam. I don't know about you, but I'm definitely excited for football season coming up. We've talked a little basketball recruiting. We've talked a little football. And you can tune in to the next Fizz 5 this upcoming week as our next batch of writers tackles the next group of topics most pressing as they concern Syracuse athletics. But for now, this has been Carter Bainbridge along with Cam Isaire. We'll see you in a couple weeks back on Fizz 5. But, of course, you can keep reading our articles on orangefizz.net. Until then, have a good day. We'll see you next time. And that's your Fizz 5. Listen next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.